everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of Filmwax Radio. It is Friday, November 5th, 2021, and this is episode 694 of the show. We have uh, two wonderful segments, as is usually the case. First up here, we have a director who is from Kosovo, actually, although she did get her filmmaking degree in, at NYU. Her name is Blerta Basholi, and she is a remarkable feature film called Hive, and we'll be talking to Blerta in just a moment about that film. And then we're going to bring on Phil Hopkins, who is the president of Fandor. For longtime listeners, you may remember that I've had an ongoing relationship with that indie streaming service called Fandor. Where I used to partner with them. And, and fortunately, due to Cinedimes taking over Fandor and uh, they're rebooting it, it is better than ever. It's got a new face. It's... Uh, just a fantastic streaming service for independent film lovers, art house film lovers. Uh, so, so we have the man behind the streaming service. His name is Phil Hopkins, and he'll be on afterwards to have a nice long conversation. And it's a wonderful conversation. I should just mention that we have a lot in common. We discovered that we had some history behind us that are very similar, and we ended up having a terrific conversation that went in all directions. But cinema being at the heart of the conversation. So first up here, let's talk about Blerta Bacholi and her film. And again, it's called Hive. Now, it was the official entry for Kosovo in the uh, Oscar this coming year, and uh, it was at Sundance where it had this huge success, and it actually broke a record there because it won three categories uh, at Sundance, all under world cinema, but it won, like, you know, audience award, jury award, and then best director. So it's pretty remarkable for such a young filmmaker. And now it's being released by Zeitgeist Films in association with Kino Lorber. And the uh, film, Hive, is described as a searing drama based on the true story of Farihe Hoti, who's played by the actress Yilka Gashi, who, like many of the other women in her patriarchal village has lived with fading hope and burgeoning grief since her husband went missing during the war in Kosovo. In order to provide for her struggling family, she pulls the other widows in her community together to launch a business selling Ajvar. I may have mispronounced that, but it's a roasted red pepper spread. Together they find healing and solace in considering a future without their husbands, but their will to begin living independently is met with hostility. The men in the village condemn uh, Farihe's and the other women's efforts to empower themselves. And it's it's a very lovely film, though, despite what I'm sort of suggesting a lot of tension, and there is some in there, but it's a lovely film about a woman who has learned that she can accomplish a tremendous amount. It's a beautiful, inspiring story uh, with uh, some terrific, terrific actors in it, I, I might add. Hive will be premiering theatrically at New York City's Film Forum Theater as of this Friday, today, uh, November 5th. And next week it will be in L.A. at the Lemley Theaters. I think it will probably open broader from there, but I'm going to encourage people to uh, check out Hive. I want to mention that 
Blerta Bisholi was awarded the uh, Dean's Fellowship at the Film Graduate Program at Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. A writer and director with a unique realistic visual style, her stories touch upon social and gender issues from the country where she was born and raised, Kosovo. While she did graduate from the Tisch School of Film at NYU, she just came back to New York to uh, present her film Hive, her debut feature, to American audiences. So uh, I was very excited to get uh, Blerta on the show. And here it is, my conversation with Blerta Bisholi here on Film Wax Radio. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, where are you? Um, I'm in New York after 10 years, but I haven't been here. Um, really? I'm in New York. Yeah. Is that right? You, you're back in New York after 10 year, uh, 10 year break? Yeah, yeah. I've studied here uh, right, for I four know. years. And, and when I went back, um, I didn't come for another 10 years. And it's been yesterday. I was just like <laughs> very emotional, like a little kid. I didn't realize that I missed it so much. Oh, that's nice to hear. Do, do you have a sense that it of of a change at all? Or I mean, obviously, we're New York is is dealing with this uh, global crisis in its own way. But uh, do you uh, did you notice any anything different about the city? Do you think? Um, well, it's mostly more quiet. To be honest, it well, felt a little bit uh, much more quiet than it it used to be. Um, I only walked for an hour last night because oh. we we came here yesterday, and then oh, okay. I was very tired, but I couldn't sleep without having a walk around um, the school and and the places uh, and Washington Square Park, where I spent so much time. But um, everything, I mean, it looked a little bit more quieter than I remember it, but uh, I, um, otherwise, no, it it looks pretty much the same. Right. Well, maybe if you get out during the daytime, you'll find it a little bit more. Yeah, I'll see. I mean, everybody's saying that you, New York is not the the way it used to be, but um, well, see. every generation Let's says see. that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm sure they say. Are, were, were you living in Kosovo most of the last ten years, or? Yes, um, I was living in Kosovo the whole time even before coming here and, and then after mm-hmm. in Pristina. Mm. Your movie is called Hive. Obviously, it was an enormous success at, at Sundance. 
uh, where it, it won. I mean, it, I think it broke a, a record in the category of world cinema, right? Most yes. award, most awarded film ever. Yes. Is that true? I'm pretending it's like uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's well, we didn't know either. Um, so we didn't realize it's not that I checked uh, what, um, right, uh, like how many awards each film uh, got. We were just really excited to hear award after an award that the film was getting. Um, because of course, for, for me, it was really important to go to Sundance for some reason. I really, really wanted to go there. And, um, and then when the film got accepted, we were really excited about it. And then, like our our Mike uh, producers, there's some some of them were saying, "Yeah, we will get awards." And I was like, "Come on, we were like, let's be happy with being submitted and let's see what right. happens." And then when we got um, three awards, it was really uh, really rewarding and and uh, and an honor and amazing. And then when we saw one of the articles, it said um, that it said that it made history in, in to, uh, the most awarded film to uh, in in this category. I was like, oh my god, that's even even better because we did make history in Kosovo for. Uh, being submitted and getting the words, but then I, at the beginning, we, I didn't realize that it was actually uh, breaking records at Sundance as well, and that was yeah. really, really amazing. Well, congratulations! I don't mean to put all the yes. emphasis on on awards. I mean they're very helpful, obviously, but yes. the film uh, is in a <clears throat> is a just a was the subject of what we're here to talk about. So please, please stop talking about your awards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> I threw you under the bus. That's the expression of the day. Well, here's the thing. So this is what I, I think of Hive as um, about an accidental feminist. Um, yeah. I, meaning, this is a woman, Farihe? Yes, Fahriya. Faria. Fahriya. Fahriya. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm pretty good with usually, but I I don't mean to butcher her name. But anyway, so she, her aim is to survive, right? It's to, it's to, uh, she's, uh, there's an absentee father or husband, um, right? He's, he's a a, a disappeared person, essentially. Uh, And um, so she's there to take care of her family as best she knows how. And she's a mother, you know, but to me, it's like, so she, at a necessity, she seeks out the other. Also, uh, we don't want to call them widows because really, it's we're not sure if they're all widows. We know that their husbands are missing, that they, but there's no evidence yet. And there, although the movie takes place during the process where finally this is being dealt with, and and there is a team, you know, it's a subplot in the film. The main point, though, right, is that she's trying to survive the only way she knows how, and she gets together with. In order to do this, she needs to work with other other like w- w- uh, women, and 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 they find themselves in in a way a political group w- by accident. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah, I think so. But for me, that's really what fascinated me even more uh, because um, you see this fighter who. Um, I mean, Fahriya did not go to university. She did not study for business or for human rights or anything. Um, she would just happen to be, as you said, a mother and a woman left in a situation where she had to take things in her hands. And right. she did it. Um, and besides doing that, she um, brought these women together um, to do the same. And it was not easy. 
um, it was, I mean, in film, we see 84 minutes film and, and things have to happen in that amount of time. But um, she really had to struggle. She had really a lot of struggle with the women, convince them to calm them because it was a post-traumatic village um, for men and women and for everybody. It was right after the war. That's a good point. Um, it was, so even though, um, I, right. I was in British... Yeah, I mean, even even for men, I mean, yeah. I don't think we can just, of course, it's a patriarchal society. It's still a patriarchal society all around Kosovo. And, Almost as and, though we're frozen in time. Yeah, exactly. And and but then but then all the rage and, and many things, I think, became even harsher um, because after the, I remember I live I, I live in the capital in the last things. And uh, and um, but after the war, it was this excitement of freedom, and it was a real chaos, and then trauma and everything. So I think everything was mixed up. So it was really hard to deal with 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 yourself, but also with people. And and she she had two, two children, which were small, and then dealing with the women who were really sad and 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 resisting to join her, uh, and then the society who were really criticizing them. So really, for me, that was like even better that she was not this activist who was always an activist and then had had wanted to do some political change. She did it out of the city, but she, the way she did it, the way she gathered these women, the way to make them happy, uh, for me, is, is kind of is like priceless. And, and it's like um, more than anyone else could for them because there are always organizations who are trying to help and a lot of organizations did help them. And then we try to do campaigns and to, for awareness campaigns and things like that. But I think Fahriya did it all on her own. And, um, and yes, it was, uh, uh, it was out of necessity, but um, I think the way she managed and, and just how, what vision she had, I thought it was real. And the, and the strength, to be honest. I mean, I asked her, do you ever, did you cry? I was just really curious. I was like, did you cry because she was so strong in front of me? And I'm like, did you cry? Like, how was it for you? I have two kids. It's so hard to raise kids, even, even though I have a husband and I, I'm not in a, in a, I didn't lose anyone. So I, I, nobody criticizes me for anything I'm doing. Still, it's hard. And then I was like, yeah. did you cry? I mean, how could you handle all this? She was like, yes, I cried. I cried every morning, but then I wiped my tears and went to work. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I mean, you're, of course you cried because it's hard, but then you, you stood up and did it. So that's really, really amazing. Well, the film Hive, it shows Frihe's process of trying to get this product that the women of the village have these, we'll call them widows because just for shorthand, but they're in this sort of impossible, ambiguous space where they don't know if their husbands are dead or not so they can't quite grieve and yet of course they struggle and but they pull together and they find through this community so much more you know than just the fact that they're going to make this food for the local and distribute you know distributor and supermarket and um but they also find a sisterhood and um company and comfort in together which is a beautiful part of the film and but you know you brought up this thing and i hadn't considered the ptsd of the of the men as well in the village, because they are, as you said, part of this patriarchal system. And if you extend yourself, you could say they're victims in a way too. However, your sympathy is with the women. But now that you mention it, uh, Blerta, I think, yeah, they also lost brothers and fathers and um, they're also stuck. And I, I hadn't even thought of it in those terms. Yeah. I mean, um, 
many don't because of course the story is focused and of course nobody had the right to to do that and and prejudice the women for what they were doing and um um, having said that, they were probably even they would have been prejudiced uh, even even if, they, if there was no, no war. But then uh, um, I think it was so harsh because the men was were also stuck and and it's always this thing about honoring those who are gone and are right. you honoring them enough in a way? Um, and especially when it has to do with women, then uh, it's uh, it's it's even worse. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know my phone can ring. It's okay. Um, um, so um, it was even harsher for like women. You're a widow. Uh, I mean, they they're not widows, as you're saying, because they still don't know if their um, husbands are dead. But uh, right. pretty much, they, they are in a way treating them as widows, and they are expecting them to uh, mourn and to um, um, to not uh, to not smile, let's say, or or, or, or uh, continue their lives, and which is something that. Um, it's amazing because Fahriya was really trying to, um, as she was saying, trying to stay sane for her children. Uh, she was like, if we would just sit down and cry and and wait for someone to help us always, which was which she was like, was not going to happen for, for was not going to last forever. Right. Um, she was like, we would have gone crazy. So when we go crazy, who would have take care? Uh, who would take care of our children in a way? Yeah, when you come down to though the basic nature of the film it's about just a you know it's a character study as well it's just a this woman and her this pivotal moment in her her life and what is she you know when you're faced with choices you know what do you what do you end up doing and to find out how she comes to make her choices is a beautiful part of the film it's hard to imagine this is your first feature film congratulations thank you i don't mean to keep continue to politicize the film because it's really not a political film um but it does uh, again, I say it's almost accidental or incidental to the story that it's. Uh, but when you come back to the United States uh, after ten years, and then you find out what's going on here in our number of the the states in this country, and that we've we also seem to be turning back the clock. Women in a number of states are almost impossible. Have find it almost impossible to get abortions or make their own medical choices when it comes to their themselves. Uh, what do you think of that? If I can put you on the spot. Mm. <laughs> well, I uh, <clears throat> I wasn't really informed about that, but um, um, surprise. You no, know, when people <laughs> uh, when I mean, people are telling me, is it really like usually do get a, a question about uh, <clears throat> is it really still like that? I and mean, did you grow up like that? Was was somebody really? Um, so harsh on you while uh, while you were growing up in Kosovo and then I'm sometimes trying to make a comparison even about the Hollywood movements and 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 I was uh, a couple of months in in Poland and they do uh, women cannot get abortion it's not allowed and it's um I was I'm like I we're talking about a village of Krushamala where these things happen and um but then we're dealing with so many other issues all around the world um that is why um really thinking of that a particular village as something really out of out of our everyday life 
I think we're sometimes uh, ignoring the fact where we all live in because we, we do have a lot of issues to deal with, whether that's in New York or in Poland or in Kosovo or anywhere, it can be different kinds of ways or um, it doesn't even have to be related to women. I was really hoping that people are going to connect to the character in a more universal level and not just, not just women, uh, but all, and all, everybody went through some sort of <clears throat> uh, prejudice or discrimination or uh, felt small in some ways. So I, I was really hoping that people really c- can connect and and that we can really raise a, a discussion about many uh, injustices done, whether that's a, for abortion or for uh, people of uh, different color or different um, um, sexuality or whatever. I mean, people really go through a lot nowadays in in many in many I think in many levels. So I was really hoping that this film. Although it's very specific story for a specific woman in a specific country and village, I really hope that people are really going to connect and, and right. raise discussions and, and, and be encouraged, hopefully, in a way mm-hmm. to change things. Well, I would argue that they are connecting because I'm going to guess there were people, men on the awards, on the uh, audience award committee. There were men on the Sundance jury. There are men who programmed the film. So obviously, you know, and then on and on in other festivals. <clears throat> And yes. the distribution of the film here in America, it's a partnership between Kino and Zeitgeist, I know. And so I mean, obviously it, a lot of, and it's going to be at the Film Forum Friday here in New York City. That's probably one of the reasons you're here. It's going to be, uh, you're going to be there Friday, the 5th of uh, yes, November? Yes, I'll be Friday and Saturday. We have Q&A. Nice. And then, uh, very nice. And then uh, you'll move on to <laughs> LA, I guess, next, the yes. following week for at the Lumley Royal Theater. November 12th is going to be there. Thank you. It's really nice making your acquaintance. Thank you so much. And good luck with that. Yeah. Thank you. Phil Hopkins. Fandor Service will be managed by cinephile and film historian Phil, Collin- Phil Hopkins, founder and president of the Film Detective, which Cinedime acquired in December 2020. The film site Fandor has a catalog of over 4,600 film titles from more than 400 global and diverse partner film companies. Fandor has been called the Netflix for indie film by the Wall Street Journal and a streaming rabbit hole worth falling down by the New York Times. Here it is, my conversation with film guru, Phil Hopkins, here on Film Wax Radio. 
Welcome to Fandor, where we're happy to be celebrating 10 years of streaming independent cinema with you. In 2011, Fandor launched right here at South by Southwest. A decade later, and we couldn't be more excited to return to the place where it all began. At Fandor, our mission remains to bring you the best of independent film not shown on any other streaming service. Our goal is simple, helping you find your favorite films and discovering new ones. Because if one thing's for sure, at Fandor, we love movies. In the coming months, we will create a whole new streaming experience for the Fandor app. While we're in the works, hundreds of new titles are being refreshed to cultivate our extraordinary cinematic library. Our updated service will expand across your favorite platforms and contain thousands of the best independent movies, documentaries, and international films. At Fandor, we go beyond your typical titles to find incredible indie features not found anywhere else. Whether that be classic pre-code, film noir, rare grindhouse movies, or even drive-in creature features. Fandor's mission is to seek out unique gems and elevate independent creators and the art of filmmaking. We're also debuting new stories on Keyframe, our digital publication of articles and video essays. Keyframe will be built from a community of film bloggers from around the globe, curating fresh takes on film with new interviews, critiques, and reviews that will bring our fellow movie lovers to new depths of film exploration. We couldn't be more excited to connect with filmmakers and film fans who love movies as much as we do. You, our fellow cinephiles, are what truly sets Fandor apart. So thank you, fellow movie lovers, for taking the next step with us into a fresh cinematic experience. We invite you to join us at Fandor.com and connect with your movie lover community. <laughs> well, had I known you would be have your pipe i might have uh... well yeah you know the pandemic has brought on all sorts of new bad vices uh and opportunities to uh, horrify my uh dental hygienist <laughs> well i've been doing this podcast bill for oh i mean you know way too long but uh many many years now and uh, you're the first person to smoke a pipe on my show i have to tell you Years ago, I used to work at a Boston radio station, uh-huh. and there was a wonderful um, on-air um, talent by the name of David Brudnoy, uh, who was probably one of the most fascinating people I've that? ever met. His name was David Brudnoy. Okay. And I worked at WBZ, which was a yep. really an incredible experience, but also one of the um, most amazing radio stations in terms of their reach. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brodnoy was on um, for many years, and he was uh, very controversial, but incredibly um, versatile in so many subjects. He was a brilliant guy. He was a film critic. He was a historian. He was a libertarian. He was uh, provocative in so many ways. And, and I used to share a taxi home from work with him each night, uh-huh. and he would always uh, have his uh, Peterson pipe with him. So as a young guy, I got turned on to the benefits of uh, and the enjoyment of the nighttime pipe smoke. So during the pandemic, with all the stress, um, I went back to it after many years, and uh, I'm enjoying it. And my much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> well, 
Do you, yeah, you, I think that that is uh, a form of smoking that has kind of gone out of, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess it's diminished. I mean, it's my guess. I just see so few people in this country anyway, smoking pipe, unless they're smoking some other kind of substance, but that kind of pipe. Well, like independent film and classic film, it's become a subsect uh, of the culture that sort of uh, niche. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I'm, I, we could talk about independent film. I mean, also, I mean, we could talk about what varieties of tobacco you, you use and, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, of, but... there, there's, a, there's a tobacco shop in Boston that's been there for 150 years that I go to every there, other there. week. L.J. Peretti, great company. What 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 neighborhood? Back Bay. Back Bay. So is it near like Boylston? Yeah, it's right off of Boylston Street, by the public by the public commons. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I I lived in Boston back in the day for for two or three years. But how, how back? Pretty far back. <laughs> Which decade? Uh, eighties. No, that's when I lived there. That's not that far back. I mean, if you're if you're if you're young and it's uh, you know yeah. ancient history, but if 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 you're yeah. like you know us with the old guys, the '80s is yesterday. Sure, it's true. It does feel that way. And I, but I, can, I, I, and you know, I can, I could probably. I mean, I've been. I certainly. It's been a while since I visited now, but I used to go even after I moved back to New York. I visited all the time. So I, I got. In fact, I may have gotten a better sense of the broader area in my subsequent visits than I did when I actually lived there. But, um, but I, yeah, a lot of good memories and I still have friends that I made when I was there. And, um, you know, I just, what, what, what's your, what, what, what was the a, reason? Were you a student? Were you working? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Technically that's what I was. Now, if you want to see how many credits <laughs> I earned when I was there as a student. That's another story. Oh, also people, so you had fun. Yeah. I mean, I should have probably had a lot more. Fun. I did have fun, but yeah, it was, it was a definitely, well, I'll say this. It was a period of self-discovery. That's for sure. And um, it's the time where I saw Stop Making Sense. Okay. Do you remember where you, where you saw that? Uh, I'm going to say it was the Harvard Square Theater, but I could be wrong. It wasn't the Brattle. It wasn't the Orson Welles. Don't look for it. It's not there. Yeah, probably, probably wasn't the Janus. Um, probably wasn't the... No, it might have been the Janus. That's right. I forgot about that. That was in the little uh, mall, right? The little yeah, that was on JFK. Right in that, the ga- ex- the exactly. It was the Galleria. See? Well, I have a good memory, but but uh, probably because I don't... See, Adam, when I moved to Boston, my apartment uh, was on Commonwealth Avenue, and my bedroom window overlooked the Exeter Street Theater. Wow. Which was a phenomenal place. That's um, that close became like a TGI Fridays, some you know some god awful thing. But um, to have the marquee which illuminated my bedroom at night, I felt like I had arrived. That was you know growing up in suburban. It was show business. Kind of, it, it well, it was more than that. It was kind of like a cultural explosion because right. you could go see Duck Soup at midnight. You could do all these fun things that. You know, you could see you could see something every night of the week in Boston back then. Oh, absolutely true. I mean, and in New York. I mean, those were the heydays still. Of, uh, I remember going to the uh, Harvard screening room, and I went to see the Bukowski tapes, 
which was mind-blowingly amazing. So I think it was right before Barfly got made, but um, mm. they did this like amazing series where they showed all of the Bukowski tapes um, at the Harvard screening room. And I remember thinking like, this is so amazing, you know, getting to see this sort of intimate documentary, which is just, you know, a bunch of interviews with him, right? Was amazing. And at that time I was reading a lot of, you know, like beat, you know, books, like I was doing a lot of, um, going to the Trident bookstore, Newbury street, going to the Mm -hmm. Avenue Victor Hugo, the used bookstore. Great time. Wonderful time to be alive. Yeah. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of revival. I saw a lot of films in the Harvard square theater. I saw a lot of like, you know, the, the double bills that they used to have, you know, in every revival house. Did you get to the Coolidge corner ever? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I lived Thank you for reminding me. I actually lived around the corner from there for 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 a period of my time there, uh, right off Har- uh, Harvard Ave or North Harvard Ave. Right? Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess it was mm-hmm. technically was that would have been considered new, uh, Brookline. Brookline. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I must have been. What's is it Beacon? Yep. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I was right there, a, a little street off of, uh, just about a block or two south of the, the Coolidge Corner Cinema. So I must have been there too. I don't really have a memory of the, being in that theater, but I had to have been. I mean, I've got, there, there I were was, so many. There were so many. And again, yeah. seven nights a week. You Great could time. see first oh, run art house, you know, revival. Seven nights a week. You could go you see remember, a lot of music. Oh, and then also, it's not there anymore, from what I understand, speaking of which. Right behind Commonwealth Avenue by BU. Oh, play it again, Sam's. No, it was a it was a multiplex there of indie films, and I had the greatest experience of my life there. I brought. Oh, you talking about the, was that the, was that the uh, Cherie? No, what the heck did they? Call Cinema this? was it Cinema Fifty Seven? No, it's gonna just gonna bother me. It was right. It was like parallel to Commonwealth, one block back, maybe two, um, and there was a multiplex indie house there i hope somebody call in uh, unfortunately it's not wise <laughs> nobody could do that oh but i know I'm, here's, I'm, that's I'm... where i walked into i meant to go into alan um uh um Ru- 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 rudolph's film uh which one would he have made in 1984 four or five i can't remember but i was going to go walk i was thinking i was going into there i misread my ticket and i walked into the wrong theater didn't know it of course that's why it was wrong and then i had missed the opening credits but i thought oh that's odd i i don't know why i'm late i sat down and i watched um i watched stranger than paradise oh fantastic and my life changed oh yeah no i remember going um i I think I'm trying to, I know the one you're talking about too. And I, I'm having like a total um, mind um, yeah. part with this stuff right now, because I'm fairly sure that I went to see, um, been... <laughs> what year did Naked Lunch come out? Oh, later on. Was that nineties? Uh, it might've been like 89, right 90. Yeah, it was definitely, if it, it was probably um, 92, three uh somewhere in there yeah we're just by the way you, you phil and i if you're watching phil and i we don't go on our phones to get answers we just sit here wondering what the answer is 
Uh, no, you know, no, that's true. Yeah. I mean, because you know, I, I I agree. I think that the um, I, I do a lot of trivia. Well, pre-COVID, we used to do a lot of. There was a a great bar in Boston called Jacob Worth, which sadly closed, and they had trivia night, and you had to be, you know, yeah. fast. You could, you know, and of course, you know, you, right. If you even looked at the phone, they'd kick you out. But um, right, right. What I was mentioning by BU was there was a bar called Played Against Sam's. Oh, okay. And they used to show silent film there. That makes sense. It was. It was. It was again in Boston in the eighties. You had. It was 12, 13 different venues to see everything. And then you had music venues, you had comedy clubs. Everything. I can see why you only accumulated a few credits. Why what? You were, bu- you were busy. I can see why you only accumulated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a few credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, it was a callback on your part. Thank you. Yeah, it was a matter of fact, um, you just reminded me, uh, I was thinking at the Brattle is where I, they released when I was there they finally got the rights to play those latter-day Hitchcock, the American films. I'm going to say the American, uh, Hollywood. Uh, uh, finally, and I would, and they released them every few weeks. They, you know, they staggered the releases of those. And I think I saw them all there. On so, the, you saw, you know, so you saw a Frenzy there? I didn't see Frenzy. That's when he, he shot that, he went back to England. For that. Oh, that's right. Had. That's right. He did go back to England for that. Yeah. Um, I did see that ultimately. And that's one crazy movie, but That's the way. one crazy movie. I mean, I in the day uh, in this day of cancellation, uh, I would wonder what people if they thought like his way of treating some women, you know, his starlets back in earlier days. If they see this movie about a serial killer who, uh, you know, maybe the most misogynistic character uh, ever, one of the most ever created. I don't know. But yet, but yet, in episodic uh, streaming shows, we have more gratuitous, you know, violence and things that are, you know, far beyond that. So it's a weird dichotomy. There is a weird dichotomy. Um, well, now that we've sorted all the salad days of our lives as young yeah. men, um, this kind of yeah, we can pivot a little bit into well, we kind of know some of our DNA now, like you know. Um, obviously I, I get, I, as I described this period where I should have been studying and been in classes, I was instead, you know, like going into the, the movie theaters all the time. It was my, that was your primer. That was what I did. I mean, yeah, that was definitely, because as I said, also on this podcast film, we will definitely get it right into Fandor, but that, that, that my parents were, were big cinephiles themselves. And I grew up you know seeing the movies like you know samurai movies and uh uh you know bergman and they and they were big where where did you grow up what what part of the country did you grow up uh it's a it it's a very obscure area of queens called forest hills uh as as i described it to john legazimo who i i couldn't believe i got on the on here a couple weeks ago uh i described it as because he's from queens i described it as the mean streets of Forest Hills, and he he, he got a good laugh out of that. Uh, but um, yeah, and I my but so again, uh, even in my neighborhood, four movie theaters. So do you now? Do you go out to like Film Forum and Angelica, and do you still go? Often well, I I actually moved um, uh, recently a, a little north. I live north of the city now, so I'm actually. Uh, which is a major change in my life because I've always lived in, in the city. 
and and almost entirely, I'd say 90% of my adult life was in New York, except for, for instance, this period of time where I went, well, when I went to school. And um, I've always had, you know, yeah, movie going was always an enormous part of that, obviously, uh, benefit of it. And uh, now it's, it's, it's temporarily kind of uh, been slowed down in terms of going to the theaters, but there are some up here and there's some nearby. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to really kind of going back with a, a fervor again, because- Have you been to the theater in the past few months to see anything? I, I've not gone to the theater. Um, even at the Woodstock Film Festival, which isn't too far, I just, I got there and I just ended up making kind of a social day rather than go in and see the screenings, um, you know, because I can see them at home. And uh, But as a real advocate of it, of theater going, you know, I don't want to overemphasize the fact that I have not been going, uh, but I, I have every plan, every, you know, intention of, of definitely going back to the theater. And yeah, uh, I just came back. I was at the Mill Valley Film Festival. Oh yeah. Tell me. And that was great. I mean, that was the first time I had been in the theater in 18 months. Okay. That is so. Yeah. I did go back on one occasion. I was in Los Angeles and I took my son and his, his half sister who is, you know, uh, I just, just saying that she's not my daughter, but, uh, you know, she may be wealthy family. She, so I took them to, to the movies one day and, uh, we saw, um, Cruella of all things, cause that's the only thing that worked with, uh, you know, location and time-wise, but we had a good time and it was my first time in a movie theater and it was, I, ha- I was happy to be there and I enjoyed Emma Stone. Yeah, I was, I was thrilled to be in a dark theater without the glowing device in front of me. Right. It was very, um, I mean, it, when you're away from something you love so much for so long and then you're getting into just sort of like the blue light and all the stuff that, you know, it's just a different thing. I mean, streaming stuff on a computer or, mm-hmm. you know, your TV set, it's just a different, it's a whole different mood. Well, you're not, we're doing a really poor job of sort of preparing our, uh, the audience for what we're supposed to be talking about, which is the streaming service. <laughs> By- no, I mean, I, listen, yeah, I, I think we all do it. You know, I mean, we all, thank God. We oh, yeah, the there's always going to be the, right, even in the film festivals, almost all of the programmers and executive directors, artistic directors I've talked to have said that the, the, the hybrid is not going away, even if COVID does. No, I think you're right. I think that, well, it's, it's good because from a participation perspective, not many people get to go to festivals or different right, places. Right. So right. having the option to do a virtual is, is pretty cool. Especially uh, if it, you're it, a it opens it up. Especially if you're a niche festival, and Definitely. like you know, I had on David Hat- Hatzkoff from uh, the uh, New Fest, for instance, which is going up, might be ending shortly, but it's still going on. And you know, it was for him. It was he, he made a point. He goes, you know, there are people in lots of, I mean, many even cities don't have LGBTQ festivals, and so for them, especially, this is like a real gift, you know, to be able to to have access to such a thing, you know. Whereas they may not be able to travel to New York to do that, you know. It's a different thing altogether. Um, the experience, the participation, perspective, the community. Um, there's no replacement. We, you know, we're thankful right. for technology, um, but we all want to get into a dark theater on a big screen and have that experience again soon. Um, well, it's a delight to um, to have this conversation. When it, I mean, I'm always grateful. I, 
to have these types of conversations when when they just organically do happen and um because um it's important yeah i think it's well we all love it i mean we're all kind of you know cut from that cloth right so you know we'd probably be hanging out in similar venues seeing similar films and talking about them afterwards or talking about them um in person but now with the virtual in on the online community and things like that it's a it's a different proposition um you know altogether um but it's still great i mean we're, we're thankful for having the streaming platform option um especially with what's happened with all the consolidation right you know we lost filmstruck at&t shut that down um and snag film you know that went the way of the uh you know the horse and buggy so the the industry you know sent a huge negative message to everyone saying that we don't see the value in certain things and when you have programmers who are just data people um it's challenging i mean you know it's weird too that you have people looking at algorithms and data to make judgment calls on the type of films that get curated and screened on the online services and it's and they're chasing the same stuff so having having a niche you know platform and a alternative um is great especially for people like us so it's been a nice experience so far um and Pandora has been around for a long time and um you know it, it started out as one of the first ones 10 years ago uh mm-hmm. There wasn't anything like it and they did cool things with contextualizing editorial with film you know discovery with um video essays so preserving that and being able to kind of put good energy back to going into that sect of the industry is kind of needed you don't you don't get the same experience from your mainstream top 40 streaming services right um yeah no i thought they were pretty innovative they were and they were really uh trying different introducing different a lot of different ways of supporting the independent film community the independent film audience um and do you feel like that the market has changed since I think, then i think i think people people's attention span certainly has changed uh, I don't think people read as much. I don't think that there's as much critical thinking today. We mm-hmm. kind of live in a TikTok culture where everything sort of fits and starts and, you know, what people refer to as creative media versus a film or, you know, when people use the word content to sort of substitute someone's life work or someone's creative endeavor and it gets marginalized and then it gets grouped into algorithms and things like that. And, and we're chasing kind of social media campaigns. I think you lose a lot. I think, you know, like when you went to see Stranger Than Paradise, you know, if you were to think 30 years, 35 years ahead, um, losing the Village Voice, losing the Boston Phoenix, having the ability to get um, a program from a film art house or repertory theater that had a lot of good information in it and you'd look forward to certain things that experiential um side of it um is really unless you go looking for it um it doesn't exist that's why we we really want wanted to preserve 
um, Bandor and also preserve keyframe. Um, so yeah, we could I... we could nerd out more. Yeah. Um, I kind of am a believer in just a really still in a really strong brand, like something that people get really quick, like what they're trying, where they're coming from, like what the vibe is of that, you know, is it, is it serious? Is it fun? You know, is it, does it take itself seriously? Is it trying to entertain or educate? All these things can be, you know, I think, communicated through uh, a, a you know a, a branding of the of the uh, of the of the company um you know uh what is the do you feel like is behind fandor what is it trying to communicate to somebody who maybe it doesn't know what fandor is, or haven't hasn't experienced fandor it's the alternative so if you love top 40 radio and you love you know the mainstream titles that are on your mainstream platforms, um, Fender is probably not for you. Um, it's sort of left to the dial tastemaker. Mm-hmm. If you're into alternative films that would never be shown on your mainstream services and genre films, you know, we have shelves. So you brought up LGBTQ. I mean, we have an entire shelf of LGBTQ films. We have experimental films. We have young independent filmmakers, you know, who are just getting started in the industry, you know, that have short films right. that are that are kind of like coupled with very significant classic films and significant um, art house films. And it's a community. And I think just like, you know, you and I talking about growing up in Boston as kids, I don't think your average sort of um, family for a night out for a movie would necessarily go see Stranger Than Paradise. Probably true. And I don't well, think it was well, down by law either. <laughs> right down. I think it might, maybe it was down by law. But you know, you know um, what I get from the way you talked about Fandor uh, or the Fandor subscriber or what have you was the also an experience that has largely become obsolete, which is walking into a neighborhood video store independent uh video store one that was curate you know um and yeah like um like i think you had kim's right you had kim's video in new york right so yeah exactly like a independent that was run by oh yeah well newberry comics um yeah they're a chain believe it or not they're one of the oldest independent chains out there but um no the the independent store that is run by someone that is incredibly mindful of sort of what they like. And it's almost like I equate it to going to a record store. So if you went to like Bleaker Bob's or other music in New York, you were probably not listening to, you know, top 40 radio. You, you had a certain sort of genre or many genres that were left of center in the same analogy that you talk about with video store, you know, kind of curation um that's where you had everything from a samurai film to a noir title with something edgy and foreign and and you took chances because you trusted the people that work there well yes exactly where i was going next where you have a fan door you you may not have a specific person but you do have people there who are trying to create that environment uh, on the service where you know people are really with care and 
thoughtfulness or, you know, getting those particular movies that you may not even know about, but that once you have a relationship with the service, you know, you'll trust that, you know, almost anything's worth, you know, watching. Almost. Just about. <laughs> By the way, Nickelodeon is the name of the theater. I just did Oh, it. yes. Oh, Finally. thank you for remembering that. The Nickelodeon. That's... And they did have the multiplex, and it was right by Warren Towers at BU. Oh, right. I didn't know the name of the towers, but I remember spending weeks going there so many times. I must have gone to the movies multiple times a week during that. But it was the heyday, my God. Um, the 80s, in terms of just, you know, um, I don't know if it's all independent cinema, but I guess it was. And the distribution of independent cinema was just exploding. You know, we, the foreign films that we get, and um, just, especially the British films, and I, there was just so much amazing. Well, I mean, what it was is that you had, you know, if you have a college town like Boston, yeah, and you also had a lot there, of there, cultural. When did it become a college town? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yesterday, easy. Um, you had a cultural change every year, so you had newbies that were always going to get the rite of passage. So that's where. If you were a programmer, you could introduce a whole new student body to, you know, certain films on an annual basis. You could show Night of the Hunter every year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a, it, was a, it was an amazing time again. Uh, amazing time. Not to beat a dead horse. But anyway, I did just, that did come into my head without having to cheat. So I was excited to share that with you. Um, and um, so Fandor... Uh, Synodyme is um, has uh, acquired many, many films over the years, many titles, and it is essentially feeding Fandor. Is that is that what's happening? Other than not, not really, not really. So Fandor had an existing portfolio for a very long time, and they spent a tremendous amount of years of curation creating all these different shelves and curation of so many different films from all over, right? And so when Cinedime um, purchased Fandor in January, we had six or seven months of me personally reaching out to distributors and filmmakers and trying to explain what had happened because Fandor went dark for several years. And, you know, it it was kind of a really crummy period if you were a filmmaker because... You were just wondering what was going on with your, your 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 work, right? And we had to do some damage control where you couldn't just come in and say, "Oh, you know, a media company purchased Fandor and we're going to reboot it." You, you couldn't do it that way because there was the goodwill, the legacy, and all the things that Fandor had done so well early on, and then all of the mess that was sort of left there when it was sort of discontinued and put into a dormant state. So we had months of conversations to give the assurances and the confidence that we weren't just looking to kind of relaunch another streaming service, that all of the care and all of the thought and um, goodwill that had started with Fandor would be continued. Uh, So, you know, really, it wasn't a plug and play. And frankly, you know, the titles that Synodyme had available at the time were more general entertainment. And we've made a, a huge pivot to change sort of directions with the types of films that Fandor was known for to go after 
more festival films and more sort of genre films. So it was um, not just sort of a, you know, acquisition that we could sort of pivot into quickly. Are you saying so more contemporary titles? New? Yeah, more contemporary. And Cinedime has multiple channels too. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, with Fander, we're going after a unique offering um, that requires a different programming strategy and a different curation strategy. Are these, uh, um, a lot of films, um, let's see how to put this. There are some distribution companies, streaming distribution companies that just sort of acquire, acquire, acquire. And I don't know how, because they don't do the other big part of, uh, and then they, you know, get them on streaming platforms. However, that what's missing is a, an effective marketing of those films and, and, and visibility is always a problem. And I don't know that the filmmaker is really being supported or participating. I'm not, I don't get a great time or maybe there's too much responsibility on the filmmaker, but they don't have the resources themselves to do an effective job. So it's kind of a losing situation potentially. So, uh, but uh, with Fandor, you have a unique opportunity to, uh, to kind of solve a lot of those issues. We do. And I think that's what's been lacking right. in our business is a platform that truly cares about the filmmakers and doesn't just take something so they can add to their title count. You know, what's the point? If you're, if you're a filmmaker and someone's looking to acquire your film, you've got to be damn certain that they're going to promote it and try to give you – and it's hard to you know promote an independent film to begin with in general. That's why – so few major media companies are not, you know, pursuing this sort of um, this sort of category um, aggressively with a lot of, um, you know, marketing and fanfare around it. So when we do go after a certain title that we believe is worthy and good that we believe in, we want to be able to promote it. So we're unique in the sense that with Keyframe. We have our podcast series, we have our video essays, we have our articles. So we're able to organically and within our own kind of tent promote with an existing sort of online media experience that's somewhat unique to a a streaming platform that then can be syndicated to other places and um, it can go into – like it, it can be if you're a blogger. You can then create a little bit of a blogger network, so it just goes into a syndication mode. And and I'm sure you found, Adam, just sort of in your world, you're probably interconnected to people like myself and journalists and directors and film you know, historians. So having that ecosystem is important. That's, you know, now that we don't have traditional publications that everyone waits for on a weekly basis – you know, we use our virtual online communication to kind of have our social circle replace that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that people still, you know, at least people in our world still want to read a long form article about a film. They want to take a deep dive. They listen to a podcast with the director and all those different ways of amplifying and promoting a new film are critical. And I think that's why Fandor is unique because we kind of made that commitment not just to be a legacy company and show a bunch of older titles that, you know, old guys like us will watch, you know, over and over again. But how do we bring young filmmakers who have great creative um, films that they've spent, you know, their 
college tuition money on instead of going to school or borrowing money from friends and family, um, you know, taking those risks. Right. And there's a lot of uh, that out here. So FanDuel is good for that. Uh, and building, or, or, or effectively, I'm using that word a lot, I guess, but, but uh, getting the message across to uh, movie fans, and there are many of those, that there are choices out there. I think that's the... the well, that's why I keep using the alternative, like when people said alternative music, right, year, years right. ago, or alternative radio, or freeform radio, right. that was really the analogy, you know, that right. is so much in the same bucket as film and music and art, everything that's sort of left of center. And that's really kind of the audience that we're working with are the people that kind of don't just get spoon-fed things from the, the mainstream media companies that buy huge media campaigns and kind of force-feed their titles down your throat. Uh, it is launching when? Officially? We're live. Let me rephrase. Fandor is, it is you, people can go directly from here over to fandor.com. Is that right? And start. Can, uh, yeah, we're, we're up and running. Oh, that's wonderful news. Um, and um, how, how many titles have you got there so far? Or it's a probably a hefty question. Because you got a lot of shorts, as you said. And... We, have a, we have a lot of stuff. So we have over a thousand films currently live. We're adding new ones each and every month. We're actively at festivals acquiring rights. We're also working with a lot of distributors that are bringing in newer titles from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd say go to Fandor.com. And the good thing is you have the ability to watch without subscribing. So we have a certain amount of titles that are there with um, advertising. So if someone doesn't want to go through the paywall right away and just get a sort of a flavor and a sampling, you can do that. And then if you like it, you know, four ninety nine a month, you know, pretty much like maybe even less than a cup of Starbucks coffee, uh, you get a whole world of cinema for the cinephile. Um, and if I'm a filmmaker and this sounds groovy to me and I want to, is there a way I can connect with Fandor? Maybe I've got a, a body of work and I'm, I just haven't found the right distribution for it, the right fit. But maybe this is my audience. We get submissions every day from all over the world. It's astonishing wow. how many people know about us and have um, interest like, in submitting their films to us. Well, I think Fandor 1.0 did do a good job of reaching filmmakers. We'll, we'll continue to reach them. We're actively going to festivals. We're actually building an online submission portal at the end of the year. So if you're a young independent filmmaker and you'd like to submit your film to us you can just fill out a form and send us all the information upload a screener and then within a week we'll get back to you and we'll have um, a whole different way to communicate to submit your films without having to go through the arduous process of having a sales agent you know take you around and take a commission and rip you off and do all the things that happen you know nine times out of ten to a young filmmaker um and and uh, you'll discover Keyframe as well, which is the as we said, the uh, the online newsletter slash 
podcast. the podcast, the video essays, totally immersive. So imagine if you were to take the film section of the Village Voice and sort of put it into a virtual environment that was immersive. Um, and it, we add to it every every week. There's new articles, new podcasts, um, new video essays. Take a deep dive, Adam. Take a deep dive this weekend. So much for my weekend. Thanks so much, Bill, for that. Had all sorts of plans. Damn it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, I feel my like pleasure. I, my I pleasure. My pleasure. Like great to meet you. Actually, same here. Delightful to meet you. I don't know how we haven't connected earlier, but I'm glad for the opportunity today. And it's, yeah, we're going on an hour, which is one of the quickest hours I've spent doing this, I have to say. It's delightful. We'll have to, we'll have, to have part two sometime. We can follow up oh. on uh, all the uh, stuff we did the next decade. That's right. The 90s were great. Absolutely. 90s were great. I didn't like 90s. the 90s. I didn't like the 90s at the time, but looking back at it, um, yeah. I like the 90s. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, you know, you had that shimmer of nostalgia. It always, it's always helpful. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great weekend. It was great meeting. We'll, we definitely will do a part two. I look forward to it. Great. Thanks so much. I appreciate you um, reaching out to us. You're welcome. My pleasure. I was right after Vicky sent me that. Vicky Greenleaf reached out to me. But I, I don't know. It just had, I, I ended the show. It's over now. So I, I just didn't. Uh, oh, we were on a show? <laughs> I, I get that we were, line, by the I way. We were My style is uh, deceptive. So I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say, do we, when are we, are we starting? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sorry. I shouldn't. I probably should have done a clapboard type thing now that's that my style is not is to ease into it very very you know seamlessly and and gently because it, i find that it it really makes the conversation so much more comfortable no it's great I, lo I love the um the loose frame um work of all these things so uh, it's it's like sitting um at a neighborhood bar before the film there you go right um Anyway, uh, yeah. Where so, do you where do where do you live, by the way? I'm in the Hudson Valley now. Are you near Nyack? Uh, north, uh, far, pretty far north. I mean, that's 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 just that's in Westchester, right? I think that's Westchester. Okay, so you're closer to like I'm, I'm um, closer to um, uh, yeah, like I'm north of the. I'm pretty north now. Uh, um, so I'm like, do you know where Bard is? Yes, that's where I am. Okay. Near Rhinebeck. So you, you've, you've got a couple of theaters probably close by. Yeah, there's Upstate Films. There's one in Rhinebeck. There was one in Saugerties across the river. Uh, there was one in Woodstock. Woodstock has gone back now to be called uh, the Tinker Street Theater. Uh, they used that for the Woodstock Film Festival. And then Saugerties was bought out by New... New oh, it was something... It was, had a different name. And now that was bought by Upstate Films. The, uh, one of the guys who was a, the one of the founders of uh of uh true false you know you know that festival i'm sure they he 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 got hired uh, one of the guys that got hired to take over these theaters and they um they got here last year uh hopefully that works i mean i was very worried about these little indie houses there i know i know we uh thankfully the, the, the coolidge corner was saved by the community oh, um goodness and prattle wow. you know i think as long as people you know are willing to donate and keep them afloat they'll be all right um yeah, but well, they're, they're, they're everyone's been impacted by this sure 
the Brattle at least is situated in a good spot, you know, near Harvard, and there's a lot of money in that area. It's a lot of money. Yeah, they 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 had to get back all their PPE money. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, screw them. They asked for, like, COVID relief money, and Harvard? they're getting all, all these endowments. I'm like, give it right. to the little guys. Harvard doesn't need the money. Oh, I, I yeah. I, did, I For a second, I thought, rattle? No, that can't be. Uh, <laughs> no, the university. Yeah, the university. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they had their hands. They were, like, one of the first ones to have their hands out. Well, you know, I didn't say this over before during the show, but um, I have I had a relationship with Vandor. You know, I did. I partnered with them years ago. What did you do? Yeah, I did like a monthly podcast for for them where I would, you know, bring on a, some of the film, I guess a filmmaker or I have to look back, but I did a bunch of shows and they would be, they would put them on, on Pandora. Well, we pitch us on some ideas. We're open to uh, anything yeah. that's good, you know, with good people. Yeah, no, I got to figure, I, want, I was trying to figure a way to, yeah, to kind of make it... Uh, Become a contributor to Keyframe. I'll, you know, I'd love to have you on. Thank you. I just kind of, you mean as a, as a writer? Whatever or... you, you know, I'll, I'll introduce you to our editorial um, manager, and uh, I'll let you talk to Don Stratley, who's the, who's the head of the, uh, the Keyframe initiative. Oh, that's great. Don Stratley? Yep. And who's the editorial? That's Don. That, oh, the same person. Okay, very good. Um, yeah, so we brought we brought back um, previous um, people from Fandor that we met that we liked that seemed to still want to get involved with it. Um, well, there, I mean, that that was a big part of why I, I was so you know I really I mean I had uh, a really good relationships there, um, and um, um, I mean I, I know that I didn't really get because he lived in Berlin, right? David Hudson is he back or no? No, okay. He's um he's someone I've uh, looked forward to. I'm hoping to go to Berlin um, next year to meet him. You go to the festival. Meet the professor himself. Right. And what's your film historian like background? By the way, so have you, uh, are you uh, a journalist, or is that where it's or did you write? So I am a um, archivist. Okay. And I've restored hundreds of films over the years. Um, wow. I do. Lots of work with the Academy UCLA, um, the folks over at the Library of Congress. Um, so my Bailey work has been film salvaging and film rescuing and then restoration work. Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. Great. Okay. Part two coming up. <laughs> yeah, All right. Well, nice to meet you. I, I, I enjoyed our conversation. It was a lot of fun. Oh, me too. Me too. Take Thanks, care. Adam. All right. I'll be in t- we'll, we'll be in touch. We have each other's contact information. Now. Absolutely. We've got Vicky. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. everybody and i think uh, if it hasn't happened while you hear this uh, and i say this to you if you're listening maybe now go check we have an all brand new website in uh, time for our 10th anniversary filmwaxradio.com and 
If it hasn't launched, it will probably be launching within a day of your listening to this, or it's already launched. So please do check it out, and please do engage with us. We we have so many different ways to do that through social media, and please do subscribe. Please do go to your app and leave a star rating and a comment. It would be very helpful. All right? Yeah, let me know. And, of course, most importantly, uh, become a patron of FilmWax by going to patreon.com slash filmwaxradio and signing up there for as little as $3 a month. You, too, can support the show. At $5 a month, you get all sorts of exclusive content and, and higher. There are more frills. So consider doing that and supporting a podcast that's been around for 10 years. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. And we'll be back next week. forgotten about us there is life on your path